0: There are religious leaders everywhere, and throughout history they've always been with us. So, what's so unique about Jesus Christ? Is he just another religious leader? This is Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckeran. and Pat is gonna answer this question today. Pat, I think this is one of the most important questions in life.
1: Yes, Kevin. Has the God of the universe come to Earth in the form of a man? Well, that's what Jesus Christ claimed, and that's what the Old Testament prophesies That the Messiah, the divine Son of God, would come to earth in the form of a man and give his life as a ransom for many so that we may have an eternal relationship with God. Did this indeed really occur, Kevin? Well, we're going to investigate it here in this show.
0: Well, Pat, this is going to be a fascinating program and it addresses questions that today's world is asking. Are there reasons for faith in Christ? You know, recently a documentary film featured interviews with Christians outside a Billy Graham crusade. And they were asked about the history of their faith and one after another could not answer key questions about Christian history and the uniqueness of Jesus among other ancient religions. Well, this is not boring stuff. It is crucial information for a strong Christian worldview. And you have the opportunity to get some compelling facts today on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zukeran. Now, while you're listening, you may want to check out our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Let's just start right there at the beginning then. What makes Christ unique among all of the religious leaders?
1: Well, what makes Christ unique is the claims that he made and the life that he lived. Jesus Christ claimed to be the divine Son of God and confirmed his claims uniquely through his miraculous, sinless life death and resurrection. I think
0: this is important because it's easy to claim something. It's another thing to back up the claim.
1: Right, and Christ is unique amongst all individuals because he made a remarkable claim and lived a remarkable life to confirm the claim to be the divine son of God. No one else lived the kind of life that Jesus Christ did.
0: Now, the first thing that the skeptic is going to ask and uh many other seekers are going to ask Do we have any accurate records of Jesus' life?
1: Right, and that's a great place to start, Kevin. Many skeptics, and I remember watching the Peter Jennings special several years ago, Mm -hmm. was showing that, indeed, the Gospels were not written by first-century eyewitnesses, and they did not record a very accurate historical account of Christ. In fact, they were written decades, maybe even a century after the life of Christ and were riddled with exaggerations and legendary accounts. So, that's a great place to start. And the evidence indicates that the Gospels are very accurate historical work written indeed by first century eyewitnesses. Now, we have convincing internal and external evidences that the Gospels are written well within the first century. Therefore, they could have been written and were probably most likely written by Eyewitnesses. Now, Jesus' ministry we know was from about 27 to 30 AD. Now, one of the most noted and most respected New Testament scholars was F.F. Bruce. He's one of the most respected New Testament scholars out there on either side. And he gives strong evidence that the New Testament was completed by 100 AD and that most of the writings of the New Testament were completed 20 to 40 years before this. Now, here's the traditional datings of the Gospels. The majority of scholars agree that Mark was probably the first Gospel written about 60 A.D. Matthew and Luke following and they're written between 60 and 70 A.D., And John is the final gospel written at the end of John's life in about 90 AD. Let's look at the internal evidence first. The internal evidence supports these early dates for several reasons. The first three gospels prophesied the fall of the Jerusalem temple, which we know occurred in 70 AD. Now, they all prophesy the fall of the Jerusalem temple. However, none of them mention its fulfillment. Hmm. That's very, very significant. I mean, it's strange that... These Gospels would predict such a catastrophic and major event as the fall of the Jerusalem Temple and not record its fulfillment. Especially the Gospel of Luke where there's a lot of couplings there. Luke will write a prophecy and then tell you when it's fulfilled. State a prophecy, tell you when it's fulfilled. But of the Jerusalem Temple, uh, the destruction of the Jerusalem Temple, that prophecy he declares that Christ made that prophecy and does not record its fulfillment. That's quite strange. And remember, Kevin, the Jerusalem temple is the center of Jewish life. That's where many believe that the very presence of God dwelt. That's the center of Jewish religious life. All Jewish families traveled at least once a year there to make the sacrifice and celebrate many of the uh, religious events, such as the Passover. It's a major major monument there in Israelite life. And it's very strange that none of these gospel writers record the destruction of the Jerusalem temple.
0: Right. I mean, to, that's equivalent to someone doing a uh, history of, of Manhattan in the last several years, and they don't include nine eleven.
1: Right. I mean, what would we conclude? We'd conclude either they're a very poor historian <laughs> or that uh, their historical record was finished before that event and that's the most plausible conclusion we have here that these writers finished their gospels before the destruction of jerusalem not only that in the book of acts which is written after the gospel of luke written by luke the temple continues to play a central role in the nation of israel and throughout the book of acts I mean Luke still writes as if the temple is still an important part of Jewish life and so it's most likely we can conclude that Luke finishes the book of Acts before the destruction of the Jerusalem temple and the gospel of Luke precedes the book of Acts. So if Acts is finished before 70 AD, the gospel of Luke precedes the gospel of Acts. Now we're moving uh, the time of the gospels even closer to the time of Christ And if the Gospel of Mark precedes Luke, now we're moving it even closer Mm. uh, to the life of Christ. Not only that, Luke ends the book of Acts on a very strange note. If you read that last chapter, he just ends it with Paul being under house arrest. And that's how it ends. Very strange ending. And it's even stranger that Luke does not record the death of his two chief characters, Peter and Paul. He records the death of lesser and less prominent people I mean Stephen who wasn't an apostle he records the death of Stephen and James a a lesser known less prominent apostle and we know that James was martyred according to Josephus in 62 AD so he records their deaths but he does not record the death of Peter and Paul his main characters and we know that they died in 64 AD under Neronian persecution well what conclusion can we come to Well, most likely that Luke concluded the book of Acts, he finished the book of Acts before their death in 64 A.D. Therefore, if Acts is finished before their death, before 64 A.D., the Gospel of Luke precedes Acts, the Gospel of Mark precedes Luke. I mean, now we're really moving the timetable up. Not only that, the majority of New Testament scholars believe that Paul's epistles were written between uh, 48 to 60 A.D., Paul's outline of the life of Jesus matches the Gospels. For example, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians is one of the least disputed books. The majority of scholars, skeptic and conservative, agree Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, and it's one of the first letters that he wrote. And in chapter 15, he summarizes the Gospels and reinforces the premise that this is the same Gospel preached by the Apostles. What's even more interesting and more compelling is that Paul quotes from the Gospel of Luke, and he calls Luke's Gospel Scripture in 1 Timothy 5.18. 1 Timothy, once again, is a book that the majority of scholars on both sides agree that Paul wrote. I mean, that's uh, one of the least disputed books. And there he quotes from the Gospel of Luke and calls it Scripture. Wow. So we see there is pretty good internal evidence that the Gospels are written well within the first century, probably even as early as uh, between 50 and 60 A.D., well within the lifetime of the eyewitnesses there. there. So the skeptics would be incorrect in saying it was written uh, well after the lifetime of the eyewitnesses.
0: Yeah, and that's so much earlier than other things that we have from the ancient world. Usually there's about uh, anywhere from a 500 to a 1,000-year gap in between the life of a person and the first writings about them. And so the New Testament is documents are so much earlier. You
1: know. Right. And so we've got good internal evidence, and you bring up a good point, Kevin. We've also got strong external evidence. I mean, the documentary evidence for the New Testament surpasses, as you mentioned, Kevin, any work of its time. I mean, we have... Close to 5,000 ancient manuscripts. Many are dated within a few years uh, of the author's lifetime, and you know we could spend uh, the entire hour here going through every document. But I'll just mention three very prominent ones. First one is the Chester Beatty Papyri, which contains most of the New Testament, and scholars have dated this to be written about 250 A.D. That's the entire New Testament, and remember, they don't have typewriters or Xerox machines. They got to copy all these by hand. So we can conclude that the New Testament books were done well before 250 AD. Then we have another famous one called the Bodmer Papyri. It contains most of the book of John. And scholars have dated this to have been written about 200 AD. So we can conclude John, the last gospel, was written many years before 200 AD. And finally, we have. A very famous one called the Rylands Papyri. It's a fragment of the book of John found in Egypt. And scholars have dated this to be about 120 AD. Now we can conclude from this that the Gospel of John was written probably uh, before the end of the first century. Because remember, someone has to copy the book of John, which he wrote up there somewhere in Asia Minor, copy it and copy it, and then somehow it needs to make its way all the way down to Egypt where the Rylance papyri was discovered.
0: Without a fax machine or internet or (laughs) or even a good mail service. It would take a while to travel so that... That makes it early, earlier than uh, than its arrival, right? Yeah,
1: great point, you know, and so we can safely conclude the Gospel of John, the latest of all the Gospels, was written probably within the first century. Remember, Luke, Acts precedes the Gospel of John, uh, Matthew and Mark precede that, so uh, we've got good evidence the Gospels are written well within the first century, within, within the lifetime uh, of the eyewitnesses. Not only that, Kevin, we've got... Uh, evidence from the early church fathers. I mean, Clement of Rome, writing a letter to the Corinthians as early as 90 AD, quotes from all the gospels, and he's quoting them as scripture. Ignatius, Bishop of Antioch, writing in the very early, early second century, quotes all the gospels as scripture. Polycarp, writing to Philippians in 120 AD, quotes from the gospels. Justin Martyr, quotes from the book of John. So the church fathers in the early second century are already familiar with apostles' writing and quoting them as inspired scripture.
0: Pat, we've been looking at the evidence of the New Testament documents and the early Christian writers. What about sources outside the Bible, non-Christian sources that mention Jesus?
1: Right. You know, Kevin, archaeology has done a lot to prove the historical accuracy of the Bible. And, for example, Luke has been discovered to be a very very accurate historian. I mean he names 32 countries, 54 cities, nine islands without error. Some of these cities we had not discovered until recently and he's proven to be a very accurate historian. He uses titles of government officials such as proconsul Tetrarch, first man of the island which many historians questioned whether there were such titles used and recent archaeology has discovered that indeed he was very accurate on the titles that he used Uh, noted historian william ramsey began as a skeptic this is a very famous story went to israel and uh, parts of uh, europe to uh, research luke's account in the gospels and in acts and he actually went out to disprove the gospel of luke and he was all done with his extensive research this is what he concluded luke is a historian of first rank In short, this author should be placed along with the very greatest historians. Wow. So he went as a skeptic. He returned as a believer. So Luke has shown himself to be a very accurate historian, and we have numerous, numerous archaeological discoveries that confirm the historical accuracy of the Bible. For example, just to name a few, in 1968, we discovered the grave of, I believe it was 20 young men who rebelled against uh, the Roman Empire and they were crucified Roman crucifixion style and guess what one of those graves the name of the young man was discovered Ben Johan Hagago and guess what they found six-inch nails driven through his ankles just as described as how Christ was crucified And it was discovered to have been crucified just like Christ. So archaeology confirmed the gospel accounts of the crucifixion. Another interesting one, the Nazareth decree. was written by Emperor Claudius, dated in 41 to 54 AD. And this is a very interesting decree. Emperor Claudius warned people in Israel, do not remove any bodies uh, from graves. And if anyone is caught doing so, you know, Uh, they will be put to death. Very interesting that in 41 AD, he would put out this Nazareth decree. Why is that? (laughs) Well, probably just a little while ago, someone uh, rose from the dead, and their tomb was found empty.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, back to that point, that so many people, scholars talk about, that there was some kind of an uproar dealing with an empty tomb that uh, promoted that decree.
1: Yeah, and speaking of the crucifixion of Christ, The man who was in charge of all that, Pontius Pilate, evidence for his existence was discovered in 1961 in a stadium at Caesarea Maritama. Uh, Italian archaeologist Antonio Frova uncovered a fragment of a plaque that was used as a section of steps leading to this theater. An inscription read in Latin, and it contained the phrase, Pontius Pilate, prefect of Judea, has dedicated to the people of Caesarea a temple in honor of Tiberius. And so archaeology has confirmed the historical accuracy of the Bible. And we could go on and on of the thousands of archaeological discoveries uh, that confirm the historical accuracy of the Bible, but there's no book that has so much archaeological and historical proof to confirm its claims. And then one you and I hear a lot about, Kevin, uh, skeptics often say, well, there is no source outside of the Bible that records the life and events of Christ. How is it that such a prominent figure in history as Jesus Christ and the only accounts of him are found in Christian literature? Well, that is not correct. We have several sources outside of the New Testament that confirm the accounts of the Gospels. And,
0: Pat, usually I ask this question when somebody brings that up. I'll say, well, first of all, why are you penalizing the New Testament documents?
1: right you bring up a good point you know if the gospels prove themselves to be a very accurate witness then we've got to deal with their claims you can't say oh it's biased well sure everyone has some kind of bias but if they have proven themselves to be a very accurate historical account in the first century well we got to deal with their claims but if you want to go outside the new testament we have a dozen what may be considered anti-christian i mean these are Guys are pretty hostile to Christianity, and these guys actually confirm the events of the New Testament. For example, we have two uh, prominent Jewish sources. One is the Talmud. It's a commentary on the Old Testament. And the Talmud doesn't bother to waste its time mentioning uh, heretics or anything, but they do mention one person, a guy named Jesus. And it states that he did some powerful works and they attribute his miracles to sorcery and magic but here they're acknowledging jesus existed and that he did do some powerful things they're just trying to give some kind of alternative explanation and the talmud affirms his death by roman crucifixion and the healing ministry of five apostles then we have uh, another famous jewish historian josephus a historian of the first century much of what we know that occurred uh, in palestine in the Roman Empire, much of what we know comes from Josephus. He is considered a very accurate historian. And Josephus names characters mentioned in the Gospels the Herods, the emperors Augustus, Tiberius, Claudius, Nero, the high priestly families of Caiaphas, Ananias, Annas, and others. He confirms many facts uh, written about in the New Testament. And he has a brief couple paragraphs here in regards to, guess who? Jesus Christ. He writes this in the Antiquities. Now, there was about that time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was a Messiah. He's saying that sarcastically now. And when Pilate condemned him to the cross, the leading men among us, having accused him, those who loved him from the first did not cease to do so. For he appeared to them the third day alive again, the divine prophets having spoken these things and a myriad of other marvels concerning him. And to the present, the tribe of Christians named after this person has not disappeared. Mm. So in those two brief paragraphs there, Josephus summarizes for us the message of the Gospels. And, uh, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: And and Josephus mentions James, the brother of Jesus.
1: Right. As well. So Right. He... <laughs> You know, it's amazing. He mentions the famine in the days of Claudius. That's mentioned in Acts 11. The sudden death of Agrippa mentioned in Acts 12. Uh, The death of John the Baptist. And numerous other facts are corroborated by Josephus. So not only do we have Jewish sources, we also have Roman sources. I mean, Thales wrote a work of uh, history of Greece from the Trojan War to his present day in 52 AD. Uh, His work was lost, but it's quoted by Julius Africanus. And in his third book of histories, he quotes Dallas as saying that darkness covered the earth during the crucifixion of Jesus. And he attributes that to some kind of eclipse. But you can see that the account of Jesus' death and crucifixion as recorded in the Gospels is affirmed here. It's just given some kind of alternative explanation.
0: Pat, it looks like we have a strong case for uh, not only uh, the New Testament documents, but for writers outside of the New Testament that mention Jesus and New Testament events and characters, uh, many claim that the stories of Christ have been embellished over the centuries. Do they have any kind of a case at all? Those who say that,
1: right? Well, first of all, A. N. Sherwin sure White, one of the best historians of modern times, states that in order for legends to creep into a text, it takes about three to four generations. That way, all the eyewitnesses who could verify these accounts are gone. And that's how legends proliferate. And that's what you see in a lot of literature. You know, Buddha does know miracles. However, in the later writings that occur centuries later, now he's suddenly doing miracles. You have Muhammad in the Quran refusing to do miracles. But suddenly in the Hadith, written about 150 years later, that's about three generations later, There are some accounts of him doing miracles. With the Gospels, you don't have that. Evidence shows they're written well within the first century, well within the lifetime of the eyewitnesses who could corroborate these events. So when the apostles are out there preaching that there was a man named Christ and he did these miracles, that he did rise from the dead, there are eyewitnesses, both hostile and uh, also believers, who could corroborate these events as to being true or false there is not that three gener- three to four generation gap there for legends to develop it's too short of a time frame and even the non-christian writers who i write um, who i just mentioned here Tacitus Pliny Josephus Thales, they also affirm that Christ did miracles and that the believers worshiped him as god incarnate so they're confirming That Christ did some powerful works. They just try to give some kind of alternate explanation for them.
0: Wow, we can find out so much about Jesus even apart from the New Testament. If we didn't have the New Testament documents, we would have a whole lot of unique things written about this man, Jesus Christ.
1: Right. Even without the Gospels, even if we didn't have the Gospels, just looking at works outside of the New Testament, we could put together a lot of the life of Christ and we would still discover. That he was a very unique individual who made some remarkable claims, who lived an extraordinary life.
0: Evidence and Answers is a radio program that will equip you to know and defend your faith in Christ. Remember, 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to do this, to always give an answer to those who ask you about the hope that you have. Evidence and Answers will also help skeptics and people of other faiths to hear clearly the truth about Jesus. We want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zukeran on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, Apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name it just a few.
1: There's a new feature on our website called iShows, where you can download each individual show for just 250 on our website evidenceandanswers.org just like you download a song on iTunes these are i shows that you can download each individual show you want and we got some of the top scholars on there
0: evidence and answers is supported by you the listener who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions our calling is to do what the apostle paul did on mars hill in athens he presented and defended the gospel of jesus christ And we'll help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. You know, Pat speaks all over the world presenting and defending the claims of Jesus Christ to a non-believing world. From college campuses to youth events to church auditoriums. And he raises his own financial support to do so. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. Org. Be sure and spread the word about evidence and answers as Pat Zucaran examines some of the most compelling topics in the world. Future shows include, Is Mormonism Christian? Why do Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus is not God? What about the existence of life on other planets and UFOs? What is the evidence for the existence of God? Is Islam Really a Religion of Peace? And interviews with today's top scholars and philosophers on these topics. This has been Kevin Harris. Thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Sukarin. God bless and thanks so much for listening. Evidenceandanswers.org.